You're listening to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch movies and TV about Walter Cronkite moon rings, <laughs> about autographed Daryl Strawberry earrings. That was the best one. About very special earrings that were originally handcrafted for the Grand Wizard of China back in the fourth century. <laughs> I, I got excited about the Daryl Strawberry one. I love an 86 Mets reference. I would watch, and I'm sure that we'll get into the shooting of this movie, but I'm sure that there is an hour long cut of him just pit like. I would watch all of that. So funny. I'm Jody. I'm Andrea. <laughs> and we watched. We watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yay. I can't believe I'd never fully seen this movie. Yeah. I it's... feel like a, like a bad American or something. <laughs> Well, and I said to you, there are certain movies like I've never seen. Uh, I've never sat down and watched from beginning to end a Christmas story. Mm, I thought that was what you were going to say. Yeah, I've yeah. seen all the parts of it on those marathons. Plane Trains and Automobiles is one of those where they do the marathon showing on Thanksgiving. Um, I don't know when that started. But definitely it those... wasn't happening when I was a child in the, okay. in the Stone Age. But I, I do know that my dad liked this movie and watched it at home probably more than once and so it's something that was like just on right and i think i assumed i'd seen it because it's part of that group of movies that like i associate with him watching and laughing at at home so that yeah that makes sense yeah it is part of my thanksgiving tradition for sure it makes me so you're gonna watch it anyway so i was a hundred percent gonna watch it anyway felt a little weird to watch it so early in the the thanksgiving week for me yeah yeah i um i don't this isn't this isn't to make our listeners feel sorry for me i don't have a lot of family we don't do a lot of family stuff i'm usually um i have become everybody's like holiday house sitter and Mm. so i am often alone on thanksgiving which i am so fine with it Mm -hmm. is it is not a sad thing for me, but I have a lot of Thanksgiving traditions because of it. One right. of them is this movie. One of them is listening to Alice's Restaurant. Uh-huh. Um, one of them is there's a there's a podcast I love called Till Death Do Us Blart, which is it's the McElroy <laughs> brothers and a couple other hosts. And every that is year, not where I thought you were going. <laughs> every year they watch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 and they record a podcast about it. And I have never seen Paul Blart, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Oh my but god. This podcast is everything to me. I always say it's my favorite podcast. They only do one episode a year and it is an eternal podcast. Oh my um, god. And they have said that when one of them dies, they've already chosen replacements to take over for them and they're just going to do it <laughs> forever. Um and I highly 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 recommend giving Till Death Do Us Blart um a listen. This is their ninth year doing it. I mean, um, I aspire to to that that like m- committed of a bit. It's in my so, life at some point and some years they are miserable watching this movie <laughs> and it like the the descent from them like in the first episode being like isn't this so funny that we're gonna do this forever to like yeah. like 2020 was kind of bleak Ooh, understandably so yeah. right um and so it's oh my god well there's I also really, um, there's also sandwich night yeah sandwich night is um is fast approaching mm-hmm um, which is Chris Gethard's sandwich holiday. Yeah. Um, which it's yeah, you so need to know. Yeah, exactly. It's about um, sandwiches. Uh, that's literally it. <laughs> um, and um, there's also the last waltz. Like mm-hmm. my Thanksgiving plate is full, and it yeah, 
I really look forward to it. Yeah. Um, and so I did watch this again a little early in mm-hmm. in the week for me. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll watch it again after our conversation and see like what you knew. Well, you also lens. have next week's movie to watch. Maybe that I hope that doesn't become a Thanksgiving tradition. But... Would you do you recommend that I don't? It's not shouldn't be my Thanksgiving. Uh, one of my Thanksgiving movies. I actually think that. I don't want to give too much away, but I, I think that it's it's not a depressing movie and it's okay. a movie that'll make you think about art and life in like a sort of contemplative way. Cool. Which if you're in the mood for that, you know, I, I'm, I'm always in the mood for that. Yeah. I, I know that I'm the one who brought us planes, trains and automobiles and my cousin Vinny. You're the but John contain, Candy. Like, I you know. Exactly. I contain multitudes. Yeah. Yeah. You're like an onion. Um, uh huh. <laughs> But yeah, no, my Thanksgivings used to be really big family events. I'm in mm-hmm. sort of a lull in that right now as I take care of my mom. But like they used to be. But our Thanksgiving travel was never dramatic because right. we lived in northern New Jersey and we only went an hour and a half north to Connecticut. And so my dad would make us get up at like five in the morning and drive on <laughs> Thanksgiving morning because he was not having the traffic bullshit. Right. So we never dealt with any of the craziness around Man. that. Me and your dad, the more you reveal about him, (laughs) like the number of times I have left for some trip at like three or four o'clock in the morning just so I don't have to sit in traffic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like he hated flying. So like when we went to Florida to see my grandma, we would drive and we would Mm -hmm. leave at like 2 a.m. Like Mm -hmm. so that he could drive in the middle of the night and miss the traffic. So, yeah. So we would drive to, to southern Connecticut an hour and a half away and I would get really excited to see all my cousins and we would have like just a huge meal um with like hard sauce and pie and what sauce hard sauce i know it sounds gross it sounds gross hard sauce yeah i know i know i know um but it's basically made with like okay wait guess it usually goes with mince pie which i don't like i put it it on apple pie is it is the sauce vegetarian absolutely not oh oh is it like a stuffing, like a dressing? Oh, well, it's, it's vegetarian. It's not vegan. It's not That's vegan. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's. Is never, it a, I don't know. I have no. Actually, I have no clue. It's is basically. It like a chutney? No, it's like it's like it looks like a harder version of frosting. It's got rum in it and it's incredibly sweet. So it's for dessert. But it goes on like a mince pie to balance out the like. Uh, okay. But I put it on apple pie because I'd rather have sweet on top of sweet. Sweet. How do you? This is. F- I, we're we're going to talk about this movie yeah, no, eventually, fine. but it looks like lard. Um, famously in my family, one year my where cousins, did this come from? I don't. Probably Germans. Um, one of the years in my family, there was a famous hard sauce incident where my <laughs> uh, where my cousin's wife thought that it was uh, leftover grease or lard and threw it in the trash before we oh, had a chance no. to eat it. And she's never lived it down. That was over a decade ago. This sounds delicious. It fucking is. And nobody we, makes we it. We shouldn't call this a sauce. No, it's like a frosting or a, a pie topping. It is three simple ingredients. Butter, powdered sugar, yes. brandy. And then That's brandy, vanilla extract yeah, if, yeah, yeah. You, if you want. Um, it seems that people, you can substitute rum, cognac, mm-hmm. sherry, whiskey, um, rum yeah. extract if you don't want actual alcohol this it's sounds incredible also referred to as brandy butter it, yeah it's my God. insane 
It's it really says, meant for mince pie, but it's so good on any pie. Yeah, it says steamed pudding, mincemeat pie, bread yeah. pudding, fruit cake. Uh, the more like uh, gingerbread, yes. the more like spicier, spicier. Yeah, but I put it on apple pie, and it's fantastic. Yeah, that truly sounds incredible. Yeah, so that's that was our family tradition. Was that? <laughs> Hard is that your favorite and... part of the Thanksgiving meal? I feel like Absolutely. we should do a little Thanksgiving yeah. breakdown here. I'm not into turkey. Yeah, me. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't eat it, yeah. but even when I did, I wasn't. Yeah. Although when I was growing up, one of the other sort of traditions was that my uncle Chris would cut the turkey very dramatically. And and every now and then, if you ask for dark meat, he'd just throw like a giant turkey leg on your plate <laughs> and hand it to you. Um but yeah, as I've gotten older, it's like, I like all the veggie sides. I like the oh. Brussels sprouts. I like pie. But that's about it. Like, I could just eat Brussels sprouts and, like, pie <laughs> I'm be perfectly happy. all about the Thanksgiving sides. My favorite part of Thanksgiving is the leftover terrible sandwiches you make um, Yeah, with all the sides, so... Yeah, That's we used to really... do it really big with my family because I have a big extended family. But in the past few years, with my mom being older, it hasn't been as much of a thing. Yeah, but... I think that's pretty has become pretty standard, um, especially I think with with COVID, like yeah, bringing those traditions back. I think for a lot of people, has just been has been tricky. So I know it's kind of sad. I used to love those giant meals, but like. I was an only child, essentially, like, right. and so, like, I have two half-brothers, but they weren't, they didn't grow up with me, so I loved the, like, giant family gathering that was full chaos, because mm -hmm. it wasn't my daily life. Yeah. So. Yeah, I had a couple of, like, adoptive families growing yeah. up, um, especially through, like, high school and my young, my younger adulthood, so I've done the, like, who were big Jewish Italian families, yeah. and so I've, I've done the big family yeah. dinners that way and there is something really sweet and like fun about the chaos of that yeah but yeah we were the adoptive family my uh -huh. uncle chris would take in anybody oh i love that <laughs> literally anybody like i have cousins that aren't actually my cousins but we call them cousins because mm -hmm. my uncle chris like found them and was, was like you need a family yeah here you go uh, bless those people those yeah. people who are just like just open to taking the rest of us riffraff in. Yeah. No, it's one of my favorite things about about that part of my family. They're just mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, there's another seat. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's awesome. But yeah, Thanksgiving this year is going to look a little different. So maybe I'll have to come up with some. I was going to make chili. Um, and the um, Bon Appetit chocolate chip cookie recipe is, um, is so good. I'm going to make them this year. So that's my Thanksgiving dinner, chili and chocolate chip cookies. That sounds fantastic. It's not bad. It's a veggie chili. It's like a really great recipe. I feel like this this episode, the links in the in the description are going to be, be all recipes. recipes. <laughs> that yeah, actually if, would be fine, I think. If you want to share that chili recipe, uh, yeah, I'll share that as well, uh, listeners. If you make this recipe as well and follow Jody's tips, let us know. Send us Take pictures. pictures. Tag us. Yeah, send us chocolate chip cookie pictures. One of our oh, two things. Um, one of our uh, listeners and uh, somebody who I think his I've just gathered from uh, from comments on this podcast in New Jersey is the world. Uh, Melissa, hi, hello. Um, I think <laughs> seems to have lived a very interesting life. And uh, yeah. Melissa, um, if uh, you ever want to come on and talk about a movie with us, please let uh, me and Jody know. Just uh, uh, shoot us a, a message on 
watchers because I, I have a feeling you've got a lot of uh stories that would be fun for yeah. people to hear including the fact that apparently you worked in the same building as bill Irwin and he was a nice guy um which we love to hear i just it truly made of me course so, he is of, of course he is and of course that comment came from you um and i just yeah i i made me very happy to hear that so um thank you for sharing that fact and uh yeah um and then the other other thing also you melissa i, I just realized jody i you brought the last podcast or the last pod. Oh, Jesus. You brought the last broadcast to us. Yes. Um, when we watched Blair Witch Project and then you and I went on to cover it over on New Jersey is the world. Mm-hmm. And I, in doing a poor job of keeping up with our messages, um, Melissa recommended that to us in our Instagram messages like months ago. Oh, and wow. I just I just missed it. Huh. Um, I went so to this respond. podcast this week is just a conversation between us and Melissa. And Melissa, is just yeah. our side of the pod, of the conversation. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So if everybody, so I just I wanted to uh, get on the record that um, that Melissa did try to bring that to our attention oh, nice. much earlier than we found it. So that's uh, really funny. I just want to make sure she gets credit for that as well. Bill Irwin, nice man. Last yes. po- last broadcast. I keep wanting to say last podcast. Last broadcast. I know. Well, when we when we posted that or when you posted that episode on New Jersey is the world, a couple of people misread it as this was the last the last broadcast from New Jersey is the world ever and got upset. But it was not. Pry that podcast from my cold, dead hands. I know. Right. Hey, Jody. Yeah. You want to tell me what this movie's oh, no. about? This oh, one's... I keep forgetting that I'm going to dip to do this. I mean, I could say it in three sentences, but because there's like lots of little detours mm-hmm. along the way. OK, I'm going to try. Yeah, this so, one is not nearly as confounding as some of the other movies that we've that It's we've not watched. top secret. Yeah. Um, okay. So Neil is an advertising executive played by Steve Martin. He's very uh, businesslike and uptight. <laughs> yeah, he's a businessman. He's a businessman. Um, and he's trying to get home from New York to Chicago for Thanksgiving. He's in a meeting that's going long, which gave me PTSD from working in advertising <laughs> for seven years. Um, and so his flight is at six, he gets to the airport. Um, he just makes the flight. He, he, uh, along the way is trying to get a cab in New York, which pre Uber was, uh, very difficult on certain times in certain times of the year, including Thanksgiving or in the rain. Mm -hmm. Um, and his cab gets stolen, quote unquote, by John Candy's character, Del Griffith, 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 Del Griffith. So he steals the cab. They both end up on the same plane, right? Going to Chicago, sitting mm-hmm. next to each other. Del Griffiths is like jovial and chatty and a little bit boundaryless. Steve Martin's character Neil is annoyed by him. Um, their plane gets diverted from O'Hara to Wichita, Kansas, because of weather, and. <laughs> Thus begins a series of unfortunate events, (laughs) including um, a hotel stay where they have to share a bed, um, a train ride that where the train breaks down, um, a bus ride where they break into song. And all through this time, (laughs) Steve Martin is slowly coming around to enjoying the company of this man, but is also still annoyed by him. He tries to ditch him a few times. Um and let's see how much detail do i need to go into um then there's a rental car 
<laughs> situation where things are really starting to get out of control. Um, they run off the road. The car catches on fire. They drive in the car after it's been burned. Uh, and eventually, finally, they get to Chicago. Um, they've also hitchhiked at this point as well in, a, <laughs> in the back of a freezer truck. Um, and they get to Chicago. Uh, Neil well, they've hitchhiked twice. twice oh, the there's truck. also the one in the, yes. yeah, uh, yes, the Dylan Baker's truck. truck. Yes, with the dog in the back. Um, <laughs> so many different vehicles. They finally get to Chicago. Uh, Neil leaves Dell at the train station and heads home. And on his way home, before he gets too far, realizes that all along... Oh. I know it's heartbreaking all along while he has been talking about his wife and family. Dell has been not hinting, but sort of withholding, but not, but in a way that if Neil had been paying attention, he would have picked up on right. um, that his wife is actually passed and he doesn't have a home or a family. Oh. And so he turns around, he goes back. Don't cry. He goes I'm back. I'm already crying. I, know. I, <laughs> I love him face. so much. He goes back. He finds Dell at the train station invites him home with him and the family welcomes him and they have their Thanksgiving together. And um, it's beautiful. How did I do? I think you did great. It's like, it's it confusing in the middle there with all of the hijinks. Right. There's like a big hijinks section in the middle. Yeah, m- most of this movie is hijinks. Yeah. Um, that involve the different vehicles named in the title <laughs> <laughs> among others. Among uh, others. What did you think overall? It was so sweet. I think, so here's the thing. I think the reason that, well, we talked in the beginning about how I thought I'd already seen it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that I have. And if I did, it was a very long time ago. And I have the memory of a goldfish when it comes to movies. (laughs) So it's basically like you hadn't seen it. It's basically like I hadn't seen it. The only part I remembered was the, those aren't pillows scene. And I think that's because it's been clipped so many times. Yeah. And I think it's the cheapest laugh in this it movie, is. too. It's it like is. my it's my least. And it's not that like like we talked about uh, when we watched My Blue Heaven about yeah. how the like romance between Barney and Vinny is just like kind of a straightforward romance. And there's no like any moments of tenderness between them aren't played as like you gay. Yeah. And so for. There are two ways I know I'm getting into the nitty gritty of a stupid scene now and I haven't even you haven't even finished answering my first question. Eh. But I want to say that, like, part of the joke of that scene is that John Candy is such an overbearing, like, like, you know, and free and open, whatever. And Steve Martin is like so uptight. And yeah. And them sharing a bed together is funny for that reason. Yeah. But then there's also the and they play it up like when they do the. Yeah. The like jumping up like thing about the bears. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I don't love that moment, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's not as bad as some I've seen, you know, and it's just a, I think, so common in the humor at the time. Like, that kind of thing. It's like barely homophobic. It's like, you can can kind of make a case for it otherwise. And it really is the only moment like like slightly sour note. Yeah. Yeah. But it really, so, yeah. So what I thought was... I think the reason that I haven't watched this movie all these years is because I think that I thought it was meaner than it actually is. Okay. I thought that it was more biting 
uh-huh. in the relationship between the two of them. I think maybe because of that clip or maybe because of other things I'd heard or something like just a scenario of like overbearing, overly friendly, annoying guy and, you know, businessman annoyed with him. Mm-hmm. sounds like a meaner movie than this actually is like there's yeah. some scenes that are that are kind of there's especially that one initial mean moment in the hotel room but this movie had more sweetness at heart than yeah. i expected yeah and that scene feels like a scene like a, a a less good version of this movie that scene would come much later yeah and it would all be building up to that yeah. but instead you get these two characters they have they get kind of, like their relationship comes to a head there kind of pretty early on yeah and and i like that john candy that that dell sees what um how how neil thinks of him that early on and is able to respond to it and defend himself yeah. and then we still have them building this relationship throughout yeah. that speech that scene is really incredible i think it's you know They've only been traveling together a short while at that point. Um, and first I'll say, like, w- one of the things I really love about this movie is, like, John Candy is so sweet and lovely, but he's also a – he is a pain in the ass. And yeah. he is overbearing. And he doesn't have boundaries. And he's not thoughtful. Like, he uses every towel every in towel. the hotel. And yeah. that is – and leaves his, like, socks and underwear in the sink. Like, yeah. that is gross. It's gross. Yeah. and. And I think Neil has every right to be. It's not just a guy being like a too uptight who needs to learn to loosen up. Right. right? Um, like I think My Blue Heaven, Finney's doing crimes and that's bad. Yeah. But he's like not really getting in Barney's like, like, I don't like he's I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Whatever. But like, but the big thing with My Blue Heaven is that Barney just needs to loosen up. And yeah. I don't think really like. I understand Neil's frustration. However, when Neil breaks at that beginning part, they give him, he gives such a long speech. Mm-hmm. It goes on for so long. And he is really nasty in that scene. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, but he and Del, like, this is a they movie thing. They don't know each other. They don't know each other. Yeah. Like, it's, I kind of think it's fine. Um, yeah. But, but then the thing I really like is that Dell defends himself yeah. and isn't really like, and I'm sure deep down he feels it more than he yeah. lets. Yeah. And they kind of like it's shot as if he's really like, but the words he's saying where he's like, I like me. My my wife likes me. I know. Me. Um, which I, I wonder what they're. I wonder about his and his wife's relationship, mm-hmm. um, how how rose colored it is for him knowing yeah. that she's been dead for as long as she has because he does give himself that talk when he's mm-hmm. freezing in the car when yeah. he's like you were right like i am the least thought whatever and it's like oh so but um but i I'm also kind of think here there and everywhere right now no but i also think that like so what you're saying is true that he is sort of boundaryless and that actually it's totally normal that these two people would be annoyed with each other and i think that like with barney like you said, you're right. He just needed to loosen up. I think the like quote unquote lesson here is not that he needs to necessarily loosen up, like maybe a bit, but also it's more just like appreciate the family that you have at home mm-hmm. and like make sure that you're prioritizing them and seeing them more and like, you know, and it's more about like taking advantage of the time you have with your family yeah, as opposed to 
like this guy's being a dick and needs to learn a lesson. Right. You know, like he's kind of being a dick, but it's also kind of understandable. I will say, though, that I realized that I have grown as a person by watching this movie because (laughs) if I had seen this in my 20s, I would have been like, I fucking hate John Candy. (laughs) And like, he's so sweet. Like, it's not his fault. But like, I just would have completely identified with the super annoyed, super busy. Like, I lived in New York City in my 20s. I had no time Mm -hmm. for anybody. I would like, you know... By the time I left there, I was shoving my way off the subway. I had mm-hmm. fully embraced the, like, <laughs> I hate everybody, leave me the fuck alone, like, mm-hmm. mindset. And I I would have related so much to Steve Martin's character. But now I feel like, I feel like it's, I've proved to myself that I've softened because I was like, oh, like, just, just have a conversation with him. Yeah. Like, just talk to John Candy about his life. I know he's not John Candy, he's Dell, but like, talk to him about his life, find out about his wife and, and what his exactly. you know family was like. And, you know, like all of those situations that are so horrible in airports and things are made so much better if you just are a human with the other humans that you're mm-hmm. with. And like- right. He, Dell knows this, right? You know, right. he's he's living for those moments of connection with other people because he doesn't have the connection of his wife anymore. That's the other thing that I love. I do it. I I know we joke that I'm the the John Candy. We quote unquote joke that I'm the, the John Candy. <laughs> this in is this canon podcast. now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and in general, yes, and I do really feel for and relate to John Candy in this movie, but I also feel for and relate to Steve Martin. Like, yeah. like I think like I am, I think I am in general, like I am not striking up a conversation with a stranger in an airport in a million years. I am not doing that. I am. That's Steve what I Martin. mean when I say I, I have changed. Yeah. Like it's just, I am not going to be that person. Yeah. But I, but I'm also like, as someone who does spend a lot of time alone, mm-hmm. I think that I understand John Candy not like he doesn't he doesn't he like takes up a lot of space in this movie. And I think a big part of it is he's just not used to having to share his space. Yeah, and I think that yes. that's something that is like like, yes, he's being inconsiderate, but I don't think it's like an intentional thing. And I think yeah. a lot of people can be inconsiderate very intentionally that's not what's going on here no just because the background is he hasn't shared a a room with someone for eight years you know right yeah and like you can forget how to be considerate in those situations right and i love i also love that he's not so bumbling like he is but it's also like the people he knows somebody everywhere he's one of those guys and they all love him they all love him yeah and yeah. he's good. He's even he's a he's salesman. Like, he remembers he's their names. a good sale. Exactly. Yep. yep. And so I do like that, too, that we don't have to just like there are so many movies. I love a buddy, a buddy movie. I love a like enemies to friends, mm-hmm. enemies to to lovers, like mm-hmm. in the case of um My Blue Heaven. But so like there are so many of these that would play it so much less um, nuanced. Well, and I he think would that- just. Yeah, but I think that's why I assumed that I wouldn't like this movie as much as I did because in my head, the movie treated John Candy in that way right. as as totally just bumbling, just annoying, just gross, like, and didn't have the like he has self awareness in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he he's does. not he's not the stereotypical bumbling idiot, annoying person that 
I've seen other movies depict especially a larger bodied character as right as like those as if those two things the personality trait and the size go together right such a like shortcut yeah i assume that's what was happening here right but he has self-awareness totally i think of movies that i do love but it's like you know um i'm thinking of like uh David Spade and Chris Farley together have mm-hmm. this similar dynamic. Yes. And Chris Farley's characters are always so oafish yep. and no self-awareness and so bumbling. Yep. And and again, I love I love Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. And I think there's obviously like I, I love Chris Farley and there is a sweetness to his characters always. And there yeah. was like you know, major off-screen love between David Spade and Chris Farley. And I think that's that comes through a lot in those movies and saves them from being too mean. But those are the less sophisticated version definitely of what's going on here. And that's the version that I just don't have the the stomach or the time for. Like I just I can't personally get past that. Like I I'm already not inclined to this kind of humor necessarily anymore and so when it comes with that edge of cruelty i just don't care for it Mm -hmm. but this was not that this was not that at all and i just felt like i it made me sad that john candy's not around anymore and i mean obviously everybody's should be and is sad and you know i i liked him anyway but after seeing this i was like oh right this is not the stereotype i had in my head of what this character was going to be yeah and i do think i mean we haven't even mentioned this is a john hughes movie right um and i'm i know that that's a big part of it so his movies like even his his teen movies like like i always say like ferris bueller makes the end of that movie makes me cry it's not a sad but just like there's so much heart and sweetness in his movies in a way that never feels saccharine to me yeah um and I will say the end of this movie, it is a little because you get that like that montage of Steve Martin figuring it out. Um, I and, like, heard something so interesting about that that we have to come back to. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, about that scene. And I do. Th- I think that scene is a little. I also want to talk about that scene is a little. Uh, well, actually, I'm I'm disagreeing with myself. I was going to say that scene feels a little heavy handed, but. I think if you think about it, it's the fact that like Neil was so closed off, mm-hmm. like to that all it takes is a second. And those scenes are so obviously that they flash back to yeah. pointing to what's really going on there that if Neil had paid attention for even a second, he would have realized that. So yeah. I guess for me to say like it's heavy handed, I actually am taking that back because it is. But I, I wonder if it's if that's the point of it, maybe. Right. I don't know. What did so, you hear? So. Last night I listened to, and I recommend people listen to Unspooled generally, the podcast mm-hmm. with Paul Sheer and Amy Nicholson. Um, but it's a great podcast. It's a great podcast. They did like the what is the Criterion? They did AFI oh, top one hundred movies yeah. to start with, and, and have then, since branched out. Right. Um, but they did an episode on this on planes, trains, and automobiles. Top one hundred, or it was not. It was from there. It was from there after. Uh, series but um (laughs) so and i was falling asleep when i listened to it last night so (laughs) i hope whatever you say is so wrong (laughs) i don't think it is if it is i apologize but what i remember from the before i fell asleep was that was that they filmed this in my old high school (laughs) and it was while i was taking a test that i just didn't study for exactly exactly uh no so what i what i heard 
what I remember hearing and, and credit to Paul Shear and Amy Nicholson, if this is actually true, is that <laughs> the shot of Steve Martin's face uh-huh. that they have in the close up while he's right. having those memories was not Steve Martin acting because they were, ha- I guess they were having trouble getting the shot the way they wanted, or Steve Martin was having trouble getting the expression that he wanted or something, but it was actually a sh- scene shot like when Steve Martin was preparing for the next scene, they had the camera on him. And so it's not Steve Martin acting like he's thinking about it. It's Steve Martin thinking about the next scene. Interesting. Yeah. And so that's so, just, they just got his natural thinking face. Yes. That's cool. Yes. So I, I, I wish, I wish I had more details than that, but I was on melatonin at the time. Um, <laughs> but I thought that was super interesting because his face is so expressive in that moment, but it's like, he's not actually acting. The thing that I wonder though, when like watching that, that ending where he has that realization and goes and finds him. I know that we're not supposed to think about what's next. We're supposed to just think of this as like a happy ending, mm-hmm. but like what's next? Like he's not oh. moving in with them. No, he's he's not moving in with them. I don't know. I think because, I mean, he said like he says I haven't been in that diner scene. He says I haven't been home in years, and then he's and like Steve kind of like Steve Neil kind of calls him out on it, and Dell backtracks and he's like, oh, it's just a saying. I haven't been home in years, right? But he means I haven't been home in years. You yes. realize like this is he is like that trunk has. I'm guessing his entire life packed into it right and Mm -hmm. he's just been totally unmoored um and i always think about that like i don't imagine he's somebody because this doesn't heal the trauma of losing his wife like and it seems he has no other family i don't imagine that he's somebody and he seems to really love his work and traveling around and making these other connections so i don't imagine that he suddenly like settles down in Chicago, right? right? Like, yeah, and is doing family holidays with Neil's with the with the pages, right? Um, but I do wonder if he, you know, this is his. He finds himself in Chicago every Thanksgiving now, right? Or yeah, you know, like yeah, it's because it's like it almost feels like the the goal of the movie was to heal Neil and mm-hmm. and using. Dell as a way to do so you know and so it's like well what what's next for Dell I it's funny you said that about like um those chance encounters and like him traveling around and all of that I will say that so Chris has this bit about how Taco Bell is now implementing like the machines that take your order Mm -hmm. so you're not interacting with a human right and I do think that those in-person in-person interactions between strangers can be really really important to keeping us feeling like human beings and i will contend as i often do when this comes up that this is a north south jersey divide issue because i will go i have i have a, a roommate who travels a lot and i am a like I don't know what the word is, but I am like a like chronic introvert, like and I will go days without speaking to another person. And it will take me a 
long time to realize where I'm like, oh, I just like the only other being I've talked to this week is my dog. Like, yeah, now that I make but now that I make podcasts from home, it's a little different because I, you know, every week I'm going to talk to somebody at least through my computer screen. Yeah. Uh, but before that, like it would t- again, it would take me maybe maybe this is actually I'm saying this as if it's a um, counterpoint to your argument, but maybe it's actually supporting your argument um, where like I will open my mouth for the first time and be like, <clears throat> yeah, oh, I... wait, you have to talk to other people. So maybe not. So here's the thing. I spend a lot of time alone. I enjoy spend, like, spending a lot of time alone. I traveled by myself for two months just just now, just mm-hmm. got back. Um, and I love it. And I love spending hours and hours and hours by myself. But I will say that in the past few years, I think since COVID, I have begun really cherishing those moments with strangers that I never would have before. Like mm-hmm. when I was in fucking Buffalo, Wyoming, and I went to a thrift store and I like, I'm a friendlier person now than I used to be. And I like started a conversation with the old lady at the, I know at the register. And I find out she's originally from Rhode Island and she grew up on Jamestown and she used to take the ferry to Newport before there was a bridge. (laughs) And like, her name is Cece. And I'm like, now that person, I'm not going to start up a conversation with a stranger necessarily like that I want to last a really long period of time. Right. But I, but those little moments are so lovely and I feel like they make us human. Like, I don't know. I, I really, um, I'm, I've, I've, uh, I've grown, I've metamorphosized into (laughs) a, I think that's warmer person. And I think that it makes, yeah. And I do, I think that like, am I the John Candy of this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) This is what we're finding out. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the think, I'm the jovial person on the plane that you want to shut up. No, I'm definitely not. But there's a poem by Walt Whitman that I really love. I know that seems like such a side note. Um, I love it. Let's do it. But it's called A Noiseless Patient Spider. And it reminds me of this so much um, about those like like throwing out bids for connection, you know, mm. um, and um, should I should yes. I read it? Do you, you want should. me to read it? I, I would love for you to read a poem. I could. Um, I, I mean, I haven't brought up Victorian literature in a really long time, so <laughs> I think we're due for some sort of weird tangent. I could also drop in a professional reading, and I'm sure there are plenty of people who've performed it. I'm not a. I'm. I'm. A, I love poetry, but I'm not like a performer. Um, but I'll read it to you, and then we can we can decide. It's called a noiseless patient spider. A noiseless patient spider. I marked where on a little promontory it stood isolated, marked how to explore the vacant vast surrounding. It launched forth filament, filament, filament out of itself, ever unreeling them, ever tirelessly speeding them. And you, oh my soul, where you stand, it gives me goosebumps. Ah! Surrounded, detached. That part isn't in the poem. Uh, <laughs> surrounded. And you, oh my soul, where you stand, surrounded, detached, in measureless oceans of space, ceaselessly musing, venturing, throwing, seeking the spheres to connect them, till the bridge you will need be formed, till the ductile anchor hold, till the gossamer thread you fling catch somewhere, oh my soul. I love that. We, We give that man, like credit for those big sprawling cataloging poems that go on and on and on and then he throws out this fucking 
10 line two stanza it's not even a sonnet like it's it's not long enough to even be a sonnet and it is like oh there's God, a reason we gave so him much. a rest stop man <laughs> he's got a bridge down here yeah well he's got a rest stop that's that's important <laughs> but i think that like yeah. for all of for all of my shit talk about being an introvert and not wanting like i think that 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 like um ceaseless musing venturing throwing seeking the spheres to connect them is inherent and i think that like we like not to get to whatever but like we talk so much we in the greater conversation Mm -hmm. about the like loneliness epidemic yes it's real and i think it was it was real in 1987 too but it's so much more now that like yeah somebody like john can't somebody like del griffith kind of like floating around aimlessly making these little bits of friendship where he can and these are people like like we said everybody i'm i I don't remember how we got back here but they're like people who are so happy to see him and clearly who love him but they're also people he only sees it's a guy who he checks in at the hotel this isn't somebody like like who does del who would del go to if he got sick like i know but i do think we discount that i i think that like because again because it's not somebody who's gonna like come take you to the hospital when you're sick that we think it's not that important but like the number of like those little tiny connections that I made even just in the last two months being away from home on my own like those they're not nothing like they're not nothing they're just not like I will take something from each each of those little things like there was I went to a University of Nebraska Lincoln Museum They have a free museum, delightful museum, highly recommend. If you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, just wander in, hang out, totally free. Look at some art. I love a free museum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For sure. But at the welcome desk was some undergrad student and he would, and I teach and I hadn't been around students in a while and I was feeling kind of like, you know, delighted to speak to an undergrad and he was so (laughs) excited to tell me about the exhibitions, to recommend other museums, to tell me about the, the quilt show that his class helped organize or something. Like it was so delightful. I like made sure to tell the, uh, like other person on staff, what a good job he had done. Cause he's clearly like doing this as his like work study job or whatever. Yeah, Like those things matter. They just do. And like, I think that, Dell John Candy's character in this movie, like he gets that that it's not the same as having his wife at home, but it's something, and it's mm-hmm. kept him going for eight years. Mm-hmm. And you know that, yeah, that is still sustenance. It's not the same as his wife at all, but I don't think we're supposed to think that his existence is purely sad. No, because no. of how loved he is wherever he goes. Right, and I think that's something for neil to learn because i think at the beginning of the movie it you like you wouldn't be surprised if Dell says he's got these connections whatever and then it turns out that's not the case yeah and nobody's happy to see him and he just hasn't realized that he's been like buffooning his way yeah. through and again that um, would be the mean version of this movie yeah right but it's not that right like everybody loves him we, we're spending a lot of time talking about Dell and his relationships because I think that is what sort of like, 
you know, moves this movie along. What it, What do you think? What do you make of Neil's? Like, well, okay. So Neil's marriage, right? Yeah. From what I read, I did do some research because uh, I can't not. But mm-hmm. what I read was that this movie was originally like three hours and 45 minutes. And there was a lot in there about um, sort of a subplot of his wife thinking that he was cheating on her. And so they cut that out, but there's still a tinge of it in their interactions that make it confusing. It's so bizarre. Yeah. But originally there was a whole subplot that like she thought he was cheating on her. I weirdly, I'm like, I guess I'm glad they cut it because like it wouldn't serve anything. And he's so clearly not like, yeah. But it is, but then the way she handles those scenes, like, I just can't imagine my partner calling me and being like, oh, I'm stuck at an airport now, I'm in Wichita, and me meeting that with anything other than, like, concern for them, and, like, and disappointment, sure, but that weird, that suspicion, even, even if the subplot were made, like, clear and did make it in, I would still be like, what would he have had to have done? yeah. To women, give her women that be impression, jealous, Andrea. <laughs> women, women be bitches. That's true. That's a really good point. Yeah, you know, like they're just distrustful. I mean, you know, we've John Hughes is is of his time in a way, right? Yeah. Like I don't. There's there are no women in this movie that have actual characteristics. No, not even a None. little bit. She is. She's also so. It's like weirdly, if you found out that like. Neil was imagining this home life and his wife was also dead. Yeah. Like she's always shot kind of, maybe this is just in my I imagination. Love you always think that people <laughs> in the movie are actually ghosts. We've had this conversation she's... before. In my head, she's shot, she's shot in like soft focus and really gauzy. I don't know if she actually is, yeah. but it just feels that way. Like, especially when they come home and she's at the top of the stairs. Yeah. It's like, I it know. Is so it's also like, how long has it been since he was last home? Yeah. It seems like he has also been gone for years. Yeah. It is so weird. I think in the context of that subplot existing, it's her reaction was supposed to be more of a like relief that like he's that it's actually this this guy that he's helping and and instead it reads as her having an emotional reaction to this person she's never met. I also you I also was like, are you gonna find out that Dell and what is what is his wife's name? It I doesn't matter, know. does it? She doesn't have a personality. Um, what should, does she hold need a on. name for? I should know her name. Um but I always Susan. Um, oh, that's right. It's my mom's name. <laughs> <laughs> um I like I always think that like you always get the impression that Dell and Susan have known each other before. Like it's so because strange. of that sort of over the top emotional reaction she has yeah. to it. Yeah, and so apparently because there was so much that was cut out, the pieces that are left that kind of were attached to that other idea kind of um, sort of rub up against the actual plot in an uncomfortable way. They don't quite make sense. Yeah, it really feels almost like a different movie. It's so strange. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good that they cut it out because, again, like you said, it wouldn't have made sense. But also it left a few little weird details in there that didn't make sense anyway. Um, Yeah, it is. 
Yeah, the film's first cut was three hours and 45 minutes long. A subplot about Neil's wife not believing him and suspecting that he's with other women was cut. So crazy. That is such a long... And also, I think this is another one of those scripts that John Hughes fired off really fast. He's, like, famous for that. He was also writing and filming... um, What's the baby movie? Uh, Crap. Oh, she's having a baby. With Kevin Bacon, which is why he has that cameo in the middle. Or in the so beginning. So funny. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. yeah. It's, I love how every story, because we've done a couple of Hughes movies, and you and I are both, like, pretty big Hughes fans. So, like, this is a, a, one of those things where, like, you don't any research you do the first thing you're going to learn about john hughes is that he was always always writing and sometimes he would be supposed to be working on one thing and instead overnight he'd turn out another script and i think is it like ferris bueller was written when they were supposed to be doing maybe some kind of weird science and one of the other ones too there's a lot of just all the time he's just always doing this which is yeah i hate you john hughes (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine and then for one of them to like one of those scripts to produce a four hour long movie i know like i know incredible and so one thing i didn't realize i mean i know i knew about this sort of like fictional town of of Shermer, illinois that everything Mm -hmm. kind of a lot of his movies revolve around yeah but i didn't realize that in his head everything is connected yeah like so i read an article was like one of those eight things you didn't know blah 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 about this Uh movie and apparently in 1989 uh john hughes said when i started making movies i thought i would just invent a town where everything happened everybody in all of my movies is from Shermer, illinois del griffith from planes trains and automobiles lives two doors down from john bender (laughs) ferris bueller knew samantha baker from 16 candles and so in his head all of these people are in the same general community which is wild and he I... does all of these little like Easter eggy things across movies too. So like I think you probably know this already, but in the scene where his wife, Neil's wife Susan, is watching TV, waiting for Neil to come home, you don't see the TV, but you can hear a couple arguing, and that's actually a scene from She's Having a Baby, which was literally like came out like three months before uh-huh. or after this. That's so funny. I I just. I know it doesn't matter, but I just love a connected universe like yeah. that. And apparently during the closing credits of She's Having a Baby, John Candy appears briefly as his character Chet from Great Outdoors. Fantastic. Like, he just kind of like... It's just a fun little... It doesn't do anything other than... Yeah. It doesn't do anything other than like... It's just fun. It's just fun. I love I love stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And also those Illinois suburb houses the like home alone house the house in this movie are Apparently like they were in the same neighborhood in in, in the real, real life world. yeah of, like yeah they're yeah it's just, all the same universe that's like as a kid me dreaming of like you know what i mean like all oh, i've made it if i have a home alone what house. adult life is, is gonna <laughs> yeah, be like yeah exactly yeah did you find out about the um other casting possibilities that never came to fruition I, I know about the main one. You might have some others. Um, so the main one I found was that uh, Neil was going to be wanted to be, or, excuse me. The main one I found out was that John Hughes originally wanted Tom Hanks. Yeah. To be Neil. Neil. And for John Travolta to be Dell. That would the, not have worked. I am sorry. The, 
I want to look up. Can we? I want to look up where we are in each of their careers, careers at this point. So I Hanks think was working on Big at the time. Tom Hanks why. totally makes sense for that role. Like I think yeah. he's a little sweeter than Steve Martin, and yes. that might not. But he's so good. Like. I can that speech that Steve Martin gives where he's like, I fucking want my fucking car, blah, blah, blah. Like you can I can hear that in Tom Hanks voice sure. and, it, and you being like taken aback by Tom Hanks saying fuck so many times. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like but John Travolta. Have you ever seen Michael? No, <laughs> nor do I want to. I know what movie you're talking about. I worked in the video no. store when it was coming out, I think. Or he's the schlubby angel. I can see the cover of the VHS in my head as you're talking about it. But that was playing against John Travolta type at that point. Right. Like the whole point was that John Travolta was this like kind of like charming. Yeah, he's like a cool guy. A cool guy. Yeah. But the other And one... that was late. Like Michael is so, sometime in the mid 90s. Yeah. yeah. When I was working at the 1996. Video there you go. So. Empire Video, Baldwin, New Jersey. <laughs> 1987 was, that is a weird, because he had done, at this point, Saturday Night Fever, Grease, Urban Cowboy, Staying Alive. Yeah, those were the big ones. He hadn't given us anything, because, like, even Look Who's Talking cause mm. isn't until 1989. Yeah. So, like, what? Yeah. A, we, I wonder what, interesting to think about either what John Hughes saw in john travolta that made him think he would work for dell or what dell's character would have looked like yeah you know what I yeah like whether he was like hoping to get travolta to play like wildly against type or whether dell would have been a little bit different yeah i mean he definitely would have been different maybe he would have been like more because like it's it's funny because neil playing the like uh marketing guy and like in the fancy suit and whatever but he's not really like schmoozy or slick at all and and maybe that juxtaposition could have worked where like instead Mm. of Dell being like this like affable guy who everybody likes because it could be more of him being really like a slick salesman who's like kind of and and I could see John Travolta doing that maybe it would have been such a different movie and you almost feel like I almost feel like if you're going to have the two of them, what makes more sense for the time would be have John Travolta play mm. Neil because he looks Steve better Martin in a be his suit silly version and of have have Tom Hanks be his silly version. Oh, of sorry. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah. The other one that I saw was. Um, oh, it, here we go. So it says Hanks was working on big and the production company didn't want to give the role to Travolta, whose star had fallen after appearing in a series of movie flops. So Uh, because Saturday Fever and all of that. Yeah. Um, But also, I can't believe you didn't have this one. Rick Moranis was considered for Neil. How happy are you right now? Can you imagine? Yeah. John Goodman was considered for Dell. It's so funny because. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's so funny because we talked when we did My Blue Heaven about steve martin playing the rick moranis yep. role yep and what that would have looked like and it just would have been him it would have been playing trains and automobiles you know like yep. it would have been that version of steve martin yeah yeah roger ebert also loved this movie um very much it was in his like top 100 Aww. of all time that's nice do you have the review from 87 
I think so. Yeah. I also found an article that he wrote when he was doing um, his like 100 best movies thing later on in like 2000. And there's a story in there, which is actually quite sad, but um, it's about him seeing John Candy. Um, I might just read this little bit just because I feel like, you know, you can't really talk about John Candy without thinking about the fact that he's not around anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But he said, "One one night, a few years after Planes, Trains and Automobiles was released, I came upon John Candy sitting all by himself in a hotel bar in New York, smoking and drinking. And we talked for a while. We were going to be on the same TV show the next day. He was depressed. People loved him, but he didn't seem to know that or it wasn't enough. He was a sweet guy and nobody had a word to say against him, but he was down on himself. All he wanted to do was make people laugh, but sometimes he tried too hard and he hated himself for doing that in some of his movies. I thought of Dell. There's so much truth in the role that it transforms the whole movie. Hughes knew it and and captured it again in Only the Lonely in 1991. And Steve Martin knew it and played straight to it. Mm. And so like, that's part of what I, I think is the what is the reason that my reaction to this movie was surprised at how sweet and heartfelt it was and kind of direct in taking on this idea of like loneliness because it was i think a lot of people have said like closer to their actual personalities in real life than like right. a lot of their other roles so <laughs> now i made you sad I just I, I didn't mean to I make know. you sad. Everybody's shocked when I say that I love John Candy so much, but <laughs> I just love him so much and it is so heartbreaking to think of how much joy he's brought. I know. So many Oh, I am crying. I know. Oh my god. Sorry. How much joy he's brought so many people and to hear that like he couldn't always feel that yeah. even when he was alive is just Yeah. It's really really sad. Yeah, it is. Um I do want to just give a quick, on a lighter note, shout out to Edie <laughs> McClurg, who plays oh my the, God. <laughs> the counter person. She's As someone so who's worked in a ton of retail situations and has been screamed at many times. Oh, yeah. I love her, like, steely resolve that, like, takes over her after she's gone through her friendliness bit at the beginning. Uh-huh. when she realizes he's just going to be an asshole and you just see her face just, like, shift. She puts that that like i've been doing this too long to let you get to me yep it's like oh that's how it's gonna be all right Mm -hmm. okay yeah it's It's a great little cameo yes she is so good well i think what we should do maybe is is talk through this cast because it is kind of unbelievable um but but yeah starting with her that scene because this movie's rated r is the other thing and And it's only for that cursing because he says fuck like a hundred times so i I, so many times it is and i think that like steve martin we we knew him from like doing really like big kind of silly like three amigos is just a couple of years before this Mm. his role in little shop is before this by a year and he is big and weird and dark and yeah but like cartoonishly so yeah but he's not known for like saying fuck a million times so it's still he's like a year before he is in little shop of horrors where his character openly admits to shooting puppies with a bb gun Mm -hmm. like he is an abuser in that movie of Mm -hmm. one of my favorite characters of all time with audrey like he is terrible but he's so cartoonish Mm -hmm. that it's like and that movie is is basically a live action cartoon anyway it's like like i said it's like frank oz puppets and so like 
for him to just be regular person mean is like yeah it's kind of tough to watch him do that and he has said in an interview that this felt like the first real i don't think that he meant to say it in a way that downplayed everything else he had done but that it was the first like real person he'd been asked to play because i'm looking at sort of the his filmography and like in terms of movies before this was the jerk dead man don't wear plaid the man with two brains the jerk two three amigos (laughs) we don't have to say the jerk two out loud we can just (laughs) Roxanne LA story was and Roxanne and LA story were Roxanne came out at the same time and LA story was right after this. So yeah, he had been in a lot of these sort of like really over the top goofy roles, mm-hmm. you know, very Saturday night live, but in movie form in some ways. Um, so yeah, this was definitely a, a switch. And I think it's, it's cool to see but it was smart of John Hughes and, mm-hmm. but um. But yeah, the other cast, there's a lot of like one-off scenes with like really well, she's crazy... such a good example of that. Yeah. Like if you look at her IMDb, it is amazing. Really? Oh my God. Because I mean, I think of her from Ferris Bueller as his secretary. She's also, have you ever seen Airborne? No. Oh God. Oh God. Do I want to make you watch Airborne? I'm not going to oh, do geez. that. I'm not going to do that to you, our listeners. But I, Airborne is a movie about a... uh surfer who moves to the midwest he's like young um and he like has to go live with his like aunt and uncle and he it's such a weird movie he was a surfer he moves to the midwest where maybe it's not the midwest he moves away from the ocean okay um and in this town everybody is weirdly into rollerblading like weirdly into rollerblading and he starts getting bullied and then he has to prove to the like cool roller blading crew that Uh he can hang and seth green is in it and plays his cousin and jack black is in it and um she plays his aunt and she's this like she's she sounds like bobby's mom for bobby's world like she's also in but she does voices in bobby's world too um so it's like she's in everything i'm looking at her imdb right now and it is like 17 pages long yeah she is in literally everything yeah she has that that's her voice like i'm sure she plays it up a little bit but like she was a voice in the secret of nim yeah she's her imdb is incredible yeah she's I mean, she does voices and everything. She's been in a million movies that I could talk about her forever. She was a voice in the Snorks. (laughs) Do you remember the Snorks? Yeah, I remember the Snorks. You mean the underwater uh, Smurfs? Smurfs, yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) Just making sure that I've gotten to you. She's she's incredible. She's in a million things, and I love her. I just love her so much. Um, You you already mentioned... Uh, Kevin Bacon is also in this for a second. Yeah. Where was he in his career at this point? He was filming She's Having a Baby right before this with John Hughes. But was he like, people, did people know, people knew who he was? Yes. This was post Footloose. And... What a weird to have him. Like, it was his idea to have this so little cameo. Funny. He was living in New York at the time. And so he just came out for like, no lines. Just yeah, came out for a quick afternoon. Because in my head, I was like, oh, is this like his, because, you know, I'm bad with timelines. I'm like, oh, was this our first, like, peak at Kevin Bacon? Nope. But no, Post not at all. 
he was huge that's so funny yeah um michael mckeem mm-hmm. of course he As plays the, the yeah he's the the cop um i don't do we need to run through i don't think we need to run through michael mckeem's credits no. do we <laughs> i don't think so he has 251 credits on imdb yeah he's kind of been in everything literally everything and he's 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 one of those two where he shows up he's going to be great even when he's like he's he just he's only in this for 10 seconds and it's not a huge scene but he's great um i'm a big dylan baker fan he's (laughs) one of those guys who he's just been acting forever he's in so many things i don't know that he's ever had a lead role in anything huge um, yeah, but I've seen him in a million things as well. Yeah. Um, he is I, in one of the really gross scenes that I texted you about that I said I, to- I you should have told me there were so many mouth sounds in this movie. Because uh, he's he's the like yeah, we redneck yeah. trucker. Yeah. With the ch- yeah. And he's like mean to his he's like he's like mean to his wife, but in a way that's like Pretty kind of supportive. <laughs> but yeah, he talks. He says something like, you know. Our son came out sideways and she didn't even scream or something. <laughs> came out sideways. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, because he's like, she might look little, but she's strong. Like he wants yeah. her to. And, Take and, the bags. Yeah. And and they don't let her, obviously. Um, that's like one of his first roles. He was in two other movies. One, he wasn't even credited in um, in 86 and 87. And, uh, and then he's in a million things. I know him best from Delirious, which is another John Candy movie mm-hmm. a few years later that I love i love i love delirious so much um i will say it's a movie i haven't seen in a long time and i wonder if yeah I, i'll have to but it's another john candy um john candy lead that he is that john candy is is wonderful in but i mean he is in i when i say he's it's crazy this movie just has so many people who have done so much since and it's pretty early for a lot of them yeah yeah. Is there anyone else specifically we want to eh. shout out? I think they're the big ones. Yeah, right? those are the big ones. Oh, I mean Matthew Lawrence. Yeah, plays uh uh his the kid his son. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. What a cast! What a movie! I know. I there were a lot of sort of um things that were just so i mean this is like such an obvious point but like there's so many 80s things in this movie that are now we looking back like people were smoking everywhere i said like, that's our jersey connection is the that... smoking in the diner yeah 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 i think if you could still smoke in diners i might still be a smoker oh my god <laughs> like there's a chance i might never have quit yeah i mean you could smoke literally everywhere it was fun i enjoyed it it was very sweet i will also i just want to mention i watched it on pluto maybe the whatever that free one is the free one with the ads it wasn't tubi it was pluto i got an ad in the middle of it that i thought for a second was part of the movie was it for shower curtain rings no did you watch it on pluto also okay no i there was an ad about chicago being the rattiest city I feel like I hallucinated this, but I swear to God, and I thought for a second it was part of the movie because it was about Chicago. I, I think maybe I had like an aneurysm during it, this, but... Chicago... What? Chicago was ranked the... I was going to jokingly ask if you meant had the most rats. Yeah. 
Chicago was ranked the rattiest city by Orkin Pest Control for the ninth straight year. Yeah, there was literally an ad that mentioned this in the middle of the movie. And I literally was like, what is happening right now? Wow. Yeah. Hey, okay, Chicago number one. Los Angeles number two. New York number three. DC number four. San Francisco number five. Philly number six. Mm. Baltimore 7, Denver 8, Detroit 9, Cleveland Akron 10. I hate to brag. Hate to brag. Jersey doesn't even crack the top 10. And Providence isn't even on the list either. You got a lot of rats in Providence? I had one run over my hand one time when I was taking the trash out. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd rather pick up a rat, Andrea, than a snake. Yeah. No. Or then then a roach. That's what it was. Yeah. But I wouldn't be excited about it no i screamed like a small child when it happened (laughs) not a street rat no it was big too anyway happy thanksgiving to all of our (laughs) listeners are we good with planes trains and and cars and stuff so the last thing i want to talk about before we wrap up is the soundtrack to this movie is unremarkable in almost (laughs) every way so you want to remark on the unremarkable soundtrack well, because that's so not the case. Like John Hughes, yeah, John Hughes movies. Like, don't you forget about me? Yeah. Well, like that, did you hear about the? Yeah. Okay, that's what so you want to talk about. Got it. That's yeah. And so I was. I'm. I just. I always think about that. Like even the closing song that every time you go away is like lackluster. It's. Mm-hmm. And it's weirdly, it's a cover. Yeah, it's a of cover. The original. Yeah. And so what I found out while I was reading about this movie, um, that I am desperate to hear and i i don't think there's any way to is that elton john originally he wrote a song for the movie mm-hmm. and so the theme for this movie was supposed to be an elton john song which i'll bet would have been incredible um and from this like i think it's probably the same eight things you didn't know whatever article that you referenced earlier i'm just going to read from it a little bit according to the lyricist gary osborne he was like all brought on to compose the song with elton um the song was nearly finalized before some like weird they called contractual technicalities stopped it from happening uh apparently paramount who produced the film wanted to own the rights to the song and elton's team was like no like, yeah we're just not gonna let that happen and it is crazy to me that paramount didn't just back down like you could have I had know. an elton john's an original elton john song I on know. this movie you idiots and then so they passed on that and then they um reached out to paul young they were going to use every time you go away and again they fucked it up Right. And so they had to go with a cover of Every Time You Go Away. So it's a I, Every Time You Go Away is schmaltzy. Yeah, it's, it is. To begin with, it's not great. And then to have. It's a weird note. Yeah. And then to have a weird cover of it on top of. And that's the song playing in that weird scene when he's reunited with his yeah. wife. Like it just is like such an odd, an odd thing. What other. Oh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun has the mm-hmm. same thing where. The weird it's, cover. Yeah. Yeah. These are so weird. I will say um, in the episode of Unspooled that I listened to while um, on Melatonin last night, uh, (laughs) Amy Nickerson did float a conspiracy theory that the 2002 song, This Train Don't Stop There Anymore by Elton John, (laughs) uh, was actually written for this movie and just not released for another like 15 years. Wait. Do you how are you how familiar are you with this song? Um, she read the lyrics last night while I was on melatonin, so mildly. I read them. 
buy it. I know. It's not a bad theory. You may not believe it, but I don't believe in miracles anymore. And when I think about it, I don't believe I ever did for sure. All the things I've said in songs, all the purple prose you brought, you bought for me, reality is just black and white. The sentimental things I'd write never meant that much to me. I used to be the main express all steam and whistles heading west, picking up my pain from door to door. Riding on the storyline, furnace burning overtime, but this train don't stop. This train don't stop. This train don't stop here anymore. Yeah. I know. Do you it's think? not a bad theory. Wow. I wish you, if you could hook my brain up to one of them brain machines, you would see it lighten up so big right now. <laughs> Those brain machines. God. When I say that I don't care, it really means my engine's breaking down. The chisel chips my heart again. The granite cracks beneath my skin. I crumble into pieces on the ground. If that ain't Neil Page letting his guard down. Someone should rescore the wow. end scene of the movie to that song instead. And just cue it to come in right when the other yeah. song comes in. I don't know how to do that. But someone should. Someone. <laughs> So all that to say, once you're done with our episode, and if you want to hear more about this movie, go listen to the Unspooled episode, because yeah. from what I remember, in my melatonin Amy, Amy haze, Nicholson is a genius. Yeah. That is, wow, that's, th honestly, I don't care if it's true or not, that is thrilling It's now for canon, me. yeah. 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 So. It's also very Elton John-like to be, like, asked to write a song for a movie called Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, and, and then to write a big ballad that's just straight up with a train with metaphor. With a train, Yeah. Yeah, I love I love Elton John. Obviously, I'm obviously. a human with a heart. Yeah. But like, so I don't know that subtlety is always his. Fair. Yes. I agree. What if the ending was scored to Crocodile Rock? <laughs> yeah, not not so much. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. I don't know. Wow. Wow. This is huge for me. In particular. <laughs> Breaking news. Exactly. Beep, 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 beep. Um, okay. Well, thank you for making me watch this because I thought I had, maybe. Apparently I hadn't. It was much sweeter and much uh, more heartfelt than I thought it was going to be. And I very much enjoyed it. I'm so glad. Thank you for going on that that uh, that journey with me and with our friends, uh, Dell and Neil. Can I... Can I use this this really bad segue that I just came up with in my head to talk about next <laughs> yeah. week's movie? Uh-huh. Since we're on a transportation kick, <laughs> uh -huh. we're going to go from planes, trains, and automobiles to New Jersey transit buses. <laughs> I am a professional. <laughs> now, what are we? Okay. So I know I said last week that we were going to do one more silly movie. Um, before we moved on to our December plan of just like giving ourselves the present of watching both of our favorite movies that we've both mm -hmm. seen. But I changed my mind. Um, <laughs> after I watched Planes, Trades, and Automobiles the other night, I finally watched another movie that's been on my list for quite a while um, for its Jersey ties. And that movie is Patterson with Adam Driver. This is not a silly movie. This is probably the polar opposite of Top Secret, my last pick. Like, you could not get more opposite of what I, think I made us watch last week. I've never seen Patterson. Yeah. Um, we've given folks, like, we've had quite a few silly ones. Yeah. So I think it's like, and I will, just to show our hand a little bit for next month, 
I don't know that we're going to get quite as silly as these last few, but we're going to get kind of, we're going to get a little silly. So I like this little bit of a palate cleanser. Yeah. So if you don't know, Patterson is a movie, it's a Jim Jarmusch movie, um, very, uh, (laughs) it's been called twee. I don't know that that's actually appropriate, but um, it's about a bus driver named Patterson who is from Patterson. And it's, what? Yeah. I didn't know that part. It's about a bus driver named Patterson. What are the odds? <laughs> Played by Adam Driver. Oh, bus driver. Uh-huh. <laughs> named Patterson. Played by yeah. Adam Driver. <laughs> um, and it's sort of a week in the life. It's a very quiet movie. It's about poetry. It's about taking inspiration from the everyday and the quotidian. Does it have... Oh, the- I don't know how to ask this question because it must be how does it or maybe don't tell me yet. I just want to put out there maybe for our listeners. Jody, would you recommend I'm what about the William Carlos Williams poem Patterson? It's definitely uh, referenced in this. Movie. Okay. OK. This movie is hyper aware of all of the literary and other um references people from the town of patterson new jersey i'm so excited there is a picture of uncle floyd on the wall of a bar (laughs) i am so excited the fact that you haven't seen this movie yet is shocking but also delightful to me because now i get to make you watch it um it is very heavy on the poetry oh no oh geez so and the poems in the movie i'm not going to say much more than this but the poems in the movie that are theoretically written by adam driver are actually written by a real legitimate poet from like the new york school so it's not like cool you have to listen to Is like he a jersey poet i think he's a new york poet mm. i know Boo. i know but it's close but um, fine but yes this movie is very 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 aware of william carlos williams too it's like a big part of the movie do you think it would be worth encouraging our listeners? Patterson is long, the poem. It's an epic poem. Yeah. Um, do you think it would be I don't think you... that it's I don't think that it's necessary to I mean like Yeah, I don't want to say too much more. I don't think okay. that it's necessary to enjoy the movie. I think being familiar with the fact just from what we're talking about here that Patterson, New Jersey has a very rich history of writers Mm -hmm. being fascinated with the city writing about the city oh i'm gonna be so annoying next week i'm so excited i'm like i'm glad we got a little whitman this week i was gonna say you literally read a poem this week and now we're going to be like and i will say after watching this movie i do kind of want to read patterson like the i've never read the william carlos williams poem I think this is one where, like, we're going to get real Jersey about it. But even if you're not from Jersey, this is a very well-reviewed movie. Like, this is not us having you watch some schlock from, like, 1984 that was made for $900. Like, this is is a real movie. Um, And Adam Driver is really, really good in it. So, Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. You can find – where can you find Patterson? Patterson movie. Where did I watch it? Something fed it to me. One of my services. Oh, it's on Prime Video. God, Patterson is so good. Oh, so excited. I know that's not the point. I'm not going to make... Our episode next week is just going to be you reading Patterson. 
Um, it is on Prime Video for free. Um, I don't know that there are other places where you can find it right now because it's not that old of a movie. I think you can buy right. it on YouTube. I think, oh, one thing that we haven't mentioned in a while is that you can, um, if you have a library card for your local library, many of them subscribe to Canopy. Great. And Great point. Canopy um, does have Patterson. So you can watch it with oh. your library card. There you go. For free. And if you don't have a library card, get a library card. Get a also, library card. you can you can almost most places you can apply for them online, online and get the, the your number that you need. Um, total side note: heartbreaking to hear that New York libraries um, are going to be closed on weekends due to budget cuts for a million. I know reasons that really like, public libraries my heart. are incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. So you can um, if you have a library card, you can watch uh, it on Canopy. Um, I am looking forward to watch it. I I knew that we should do this movie because when I started watching it, I started to want to take notes like I do when we're watching a movie for the podcast. Uh huh. Like, and I was yeah, like, okay. I, I was not sure at first because I know we had said we were going to go kind of silly, but I, this is going to be such an interesting conversation. And like, if you don't know anything about Patterson, New Jersey, um, maybe look into it before you watch or, or after, but we will. I'm so sorry. You're gonna get. You're gonna get a history lesson. You're gonna get I a poetry know. lesson. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so excited. It's just gonna happen, I'm and then so we'll get excited. back to talking about the silly movies we love. Yeah, yeah. No, I think this is really worth watching. I was. It had been one of those movies that I'd like, um, pinned on whatever service it was on, and said like, "Yeah, I'll watch that someday." And it had been there for like six months, and then last night it just fed it to me again, and I was like, "You know what? I got some time." And I, I was thinking about it so much afterwards. I think I have added to my Thanksgiving tradition this year. I'm going to read Patterson and then watch Patterson okay. instead of Plane Trains. I love that. God, before the grass is out, the people are out and bare twigs still whip the wind. Like that, like the language he's, I mean, it's William Carlos Williams. I'm yeah. not, if you know it, like it, that's where the, you may, like, I'm sorry, we're going to, but the phrase, <laughs> no, no ideas, but in things. If you've ever heard that, it's often like like thrown around as if it's like just like writing advice, but it's a line from Patterson. Say it. No ideas, but in things. Mr. Patterson has gone away to rest and write. Inside the bus, one sees his thoughts sitting and standing, his thoughts alight and scatter. I'm not saying uh, so, anything right now. Uh, <laughs> anything I Mr. say is going to just make you more excited to watch this movie, but also maybe ruin parts of it for you. Let's go watch Patterson. Everybody go watch Patterson. We'll see you in oh. Jersey. We'll see you at the Great Falls. Yes, we will. You will see a lot of the Great Falls. Hell yeah. Yeah, we'll see you there. Oh, wait, find us at Watchers Pod <laughs> oh, NJ. <laughs> yeah, so find find us on Instagram at Watchers Pod NJ. Uh, find me on Instagram at Jody underscore Mim, J-O-D-I-E underscore M-I-M. I'm at AQ Andrew EQ. And we will see you in Jersey. Bye.